0: Good morning, Freedom Church, and thank you for being with us this morning. It is a great day for worship and for digging in the Word of God. Now, if it's your first time with us this morning, let me say welcome. I am honored to have you as our guest today, and I would love to connect with you soon. If you'll fill out our virtual connect card, which is available in the comments of this video, or on our website. I'll be able to do just that this week, and I look forward to doing so. Thanks again for being with us this morning if you are a guest. Excuse me, I also want to mention our midweek Bible study that we have on Tuesday nights. It's called Zoom Through the Bible, and it's a virtual verse-by-verse study of Scripture. Andrew Cabani from Freedom Church does a fantastic job leading this study as he breaks the scriptures down and he he really helps explain them in a way that brings them to life. Um, We're in the book of James right now, and we would love for you to join us this week. Now, don't worry if you've missed the first couple of weeks. Andrew will do a quick recap to get us started before each session, so you don't have to worry about what you may or may not have missed. But I do encourage you to take 30 to 45 minutes out of your day and start a new habit of studying Scripture with us each week on Zoom or on our Facebook page. Zoom through the Bible Tuesday nights, 7 o'clock. Now, this morning, we're going to continue in our series on prayer. And I'm excited about this week as we look at things that hinder our prayers, the things that make our prayer life less effective. Um, how many of you have, have ever been late because you, you just couldn't ever get out the door? As in, you, you forgot something, so you had to run back in after you already got in your car. And then once you get back to your car, you wonder, God, did I turn off the stove? Or for you ladies, the always nerve-wracking curling iron, did I turn off the curling iron? The worst is when you're 5, 10, 15 minutes down the road and realize that you've forgotten something that you need, like your wallet or your purse. Now, things like that, they cause us to be late when they happen. Whatever it is that that we're leaving for, we're leaving the house to go to has been hindered by several things that we've forgotten, albeit small things, when combined together like that, they make for quite the enemy of time. Now, all of those things that that make us late, uh, all of those things that, that you couldn't find or that you couldn't remember, those things could have been avoided with the proper planning, with enough time to pay attention to the curling iron or the stove when you're finished with it, that delay could have been non-existent. Now, I'm not saying that I properly plan every day and that I always have all of my things in order because I assure you, I've made many a trip between my vehicle and my house when I'm trying to go somewhere. I'm just saying that those hindrances can be dealt with so that they're no longer an issue if that's what you so choose. Most people that are Jesus followers acknowledge the fact that prayer is a critically important component of experiencing an incredible walk with our Savior, Jesus Christ. But those very same people will also admit that sometimes there are things that hinder them from spending time in prayer with God. So this morning, we're going to take a look at what some of those hindrances are and how we can overcome them as Jesus followers. The first hindrance to our prayers and one that we're all familiar with is number one, busyness. Busyness. Busyness is one of the greatest enemies of effective prayer. Someone once said, if the devil cannot make you bad, he will try to make you busy. If the devil cannot make you bad, he will try to make you busy. One of the more popular stories in Scripture um, um, that's a great example of, of busyness hindering an experience with Jesus is the story of Mary and Martha. These two sisters lived in Bethany, just outside of the town of Jerusalem. Jesus came by to see them one day, and look with me in Luke chapter 10 at what happened, starting in verse 38. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed Him into her home. Her sister, Mary, sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what He taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, My dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. Mary, she took time to listen to the words of Jesus as she sat at his feet. Meanwhile, Martha, she was busy in the kitchen preparing a meal. A meal for Jesus, yes, but in the end, Jesus commended Mary for for sitting at his feet and listening, and he rebuked Martha for her busyness in the kitchen. He told them that, that spending time alone with him in meditation and prayer were more important than anything else. In other words, if you're too busy to pray, then you're too busy. This is what Matthew 6.33 says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and He will give you everything you need. We must seek God above all else, and we do that by spending time with Him in prayer. Don't let busyness be the reason that your prayers are less effective. Now, number two, the second hindrance to our prayers is disobedience and laziness. Disobedience and laziness. (coughs) Approaching God in prayer is more difficult when we know we've disobeyed Him. Now, let me be crystal clear here. We're, We're saved by faith, not by works. However, the Bible consistently teaches that God blesses the obedient and punishes the disobedient. To be obedient, it requires work on our behalf. But that work is a result of the faith that we have in God. John said that God blesses our obedience by answering our prayers. 1 John 3, 22. And we will receive from Him whatever we ask because we obey Him and do the things that please Him. He really clearly says there's a connection between receiving what we ask of God and our obedience and behavior. Those things go hand in hand. <coughs> Both obedience and disobedience are choices that we make. And when we choose the right things, Scripture says blessings will follow. But when we choose to disobey, however, God disciplines us and our prayer lives are hindered as a result. But sometimes it's not all about disobedience. Sometimes it's about laziness. Some people fail to pray because they're simply undisciplined and they don't manage their time well. Hey, God doesn't expect you to give 24 hours a day, seven days a week to Him in prayer. But He does want us to use our time wisely and set aside time to spend with Him in prayer. That's why Peter said this in 1 Peter 4, 7. He said to be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Be earnest and be disciplined in your prayers. Spend time with the Lord. And to do so, you have to discipline yourself. And then, you know, there are the times uh, when we're just lethargic or apathetic in our prayers because we believe that mm, we have the resources necessary to do it on our own, whatever it is. In other words, I've got the money to cover this, or I know of a way that I can get my hands on that, and so on and so on. And what happens is that we get lazy in our prayer life because we don't see much of a need for it anymore. We don't see much of a need for God to intervene if we can do it on our own. And prayers like this... According to James, in, in James chapter 4, those kinds of prayers don't move the heart and the hand of God. James 4, 2 says this, You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. <clears throat> You're jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want. Why? Because you don't ask God for it. So, so what do you do? What do you do if your prayer life has become less effective as a result of disobedience and or laziness? Well, what do you do? Well, Paul says that we must, again, discipline ourselves. 1 Timothy 4, 7 says, Do not waste time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales. Instead, train yourselves to be godly. Train yourselves to be godly, he said. And that most definitely includes spending time with God in prayer. We must train ourselves to be godly. Another hindrance to the effectiveness of our prayers is number three, unforgiveness. Unforgiveness. Now, I want to start this section with a verse out of Matthew that tells us exactly what the results of unforgiveness are. It's Matthew 6, 14 and 15. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. (coughs) If we forgive those who sin against us, God forgives us. If we refuse to forgive them, then our Father refuses to forgive us. Our prayers are less effective when we refuse to forgive those who have wronged us and when we hold in that bitterness towards others. When Jesus was was hanging on the cross, hanging there just about to die, He forgave the ones that crucified Him, even though they didn't ask for it. He's up there forgiving them in Luke 23, 34. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Then in the book of Acts, Stephen, who was a messenger of the gospel, Stephen was stoned to death. So he died, but while he died, he was literally forgiving the people that were actively stoning him as it was happening. Acts 7.6, Stephen, he fell to his knees shouting, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. And with that, Stephen died. As he was being stoned to death, he forgave those that were doing the stoning. When you refuse to forgive those who have wronged you, God refuses to forgive you. And it hinders the effectiveness of your prayers when you go to God with an unclean heart that He can't forgive because of what you're holding on to inside of yourself. Don't minimize the effectiveness of your prayers because of of some pride that you've got in your heart. Let it go and watch what God can and will do. A similar yet different hindrance of our prayer and number four this morning is this. Unconfessed sin. Unconfessed sin. In Psalms, the Lord says that if we harbor sin in our lives, then He won't even hear our prayers, much less answer them. Psalm 66, 18, If I had not confessed the sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. Unconfessed sin suffocates the effectiveness of our prayers. Every Jesus follower has and will sin again after becoming a Christian. And when that does happen, you don't lose your salvation. You lose the joy of your salvation. Psalm 51.12 says, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. There is joy in His salvation. There is joy in His salvation. Just like a, a, a washcloth, a rag, or a bunch of food or grease will clog up your sink, unconfessed sin clogs up our means of communion with God, our Creator. But I want you to take a look at what happens when we confess and repent of our sin. Proverbs twenty-eight thirteen it says, People who conceal their sins will not prosper, but if they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. <coughs> It's there. It's in confession and repentance where mercy is found. But how do you do that? How do you get to that place where you can find that that, that mercy, confession and repentance? You can pray this to the Lord, Psalm 139, 23 and 24. This is a prayer that you can pray to God. It says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path. Of everlasting life. If you'll honestly and earnestly pray that prayer, then he will gently reveal areas of unconfessed sin to you. It's then that you should confess the sin and repent of it. Repent, meaning to determine not to return to it again, to turn from it and not look back. So confess the sin, repent of it, and ask God to forgive you. And then when you do that, his forgiveness is yours in faith. And so I want to do something just a little bit different right now in the middle of the message, and I just want us to take a moment and all just pray. Now, some of you may need to pray Psalm 139, 23, and 24. Ask God to search your heart, to reveal to you the areas of unconfessed sin in your life. So some of you may need to pray that. And, and if you maybe, maybe you don't have any unconfessed sin in your life and you don't need to pray this. Then, then for you, just spend a moment asking God to reveal Himself to those that are seeking Him in this moment, those that are asking Him to search them. So let's take just a moment and we'll pause for prayer um, because there's some folks listening, there's some folks that are tuned in that need God to search their heart this morning. So let's take a moment and pray. If you just prayed and confessed of and repented for your sin, it's time to ask the Lord to fill you fresh and new with His Holy Spirit. Luke (coughs) 11.13 says, So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Ask Him to fill you. And His Word says that for those who ask, Oh, how much of the Holy Spirit He will give to you. If you want to get serious about your prayer life and and in talking to God in prayer, then you've got to get rid of the sin in your life. There's no other way around it. You've got to get rid of the sin in your life if you want to have a serious prayer life with God. Now, this morning, the final hindrance to prayer that we're going to look at is number five, and that is lack of faith. Lack of faith. God doesn't just expect us to pray, He wants us to pray in faith. Jesus often said something uh, along these lines, Matthew 9, 29, when He would do a miracle, He touched their eyes and said, because of your faith, it will happen. Because of your faith, this is going to happen. James, who was the half-brother of Jesus, he he said this about faith in James 1, verses 5-8. through If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and He will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. But when you ask Him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver. For a person with, with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything that they do. Just like doubting and and unanswered prayer go hand in hand, so do prayer and faith. Faith and prayer go hand in hand. There are some who who don't believe prayer really does much of anything. that, That God has already sort of predestined everything that's going to happen. So why pray if God has already decided what's next? Well, there are many instances throughout Scripture where God moved in a specific situation because someone prayed in faith and believed that God would do something. One example of this is when God healed Hezekiah because Hezekiah prayed. In 2 Kings chapter 20, verse 5, God says this, Go back to Hezekiah, the leader of my people. Tell him, This is what the Lord, the God of your ancestor David, says. I have heard your prayer and seen your tears. I will heal you. And three days from now, you will get out of bed and go to the temple of the Lord. God didn't say hey, Hezekiah, I'd already decided to heal you anyway, but just go ahead and pray for my predetermined prayer, or plan, rather. No, God, He heard Hezekiah's faith-filled prayer, and then He gave him a miraculous answer in the form of healing. God must be the single object of our faith when we pray. He must be the single object of our faith when we pray. Follow along with me just a little bit. I want to read several scriptures here as we sort of look at at several different things that scripture has to say about prayer and things that we can do to keep our prayers from being hindered, to keep them from being less effective. The first thing that we can do is to trust in Him. Scripture says we are to trust in Him. John 14, 1 says, Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. Also, without faith, Scripture says that we cannot please Him. Hebrews 11.6 says, It is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to Him must believe that God exists and that He rewards those who sincerely seek Him. Without faith, we cannot please God. In addition to that, in Romans, we find that it says anything that we do that's not of faith, it's sin. Anything that we do that is not in faith, I have faith. It's sin, Romans 14, 23. But if you have, if you have doubts about whether or not you should eat something, you are sinning if you go ahead and do it. For you are not following your convictions. If you do anything you believe is not right, you are sinning. Anything that is not of faith is sin. 2 Corinthians tells us that as Jesus' followers were to walk by faith and not by sight. We're to walk by faith in God, not by simply what we can see. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, For we live by believing and not by seeing. Ephesians tells us that we are saved through faith. Ephesians 2, 8. God saved you by His grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. It's by His grace. It's by His grace that we are saved. We are saved through faith. And finally, we're called to pray in faith. Mark eleven twenty two 22 through 24 says, Then Jesus said to the disciples, Have faith in God. I tell you the truth, you can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. I tell you, you can pray for anything, and if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. Faith, faith, faith is the primary ingredient in your prayer life. When we pray in faith, it's then that God acts and moves. So what is it that's hindering your prayer life? Whatever it is, it's not worth not having a clear line of communication with God Almighty. Anything that is hindering your prayer life is not in God's will for your life. And when you figure out what it is that's hindering your prayers, get rid of it immediately. And when you do, what God does next is going to be something really, truly, truly special.